Good morning, and welcome back to chapel. I know I said that last week in the recording for those who listen at home, welcome back to the chapel, and that we were back in person again. What happened is that I recorded the sermon to prepare it for posting later in the day, and then looked out at the weather that had hit San Antonio, and realized that nobody could drive on the suddenly iced over roads. Many sections of the road were closed, and our wonderful host facility, the VFW 8541 on Austin Highway, itself was closed. So although I claimed in the recording a resumed chapel last week, the reality is we were not able to return in person last week. Instead, we are back in person this week. Which brings us to the point of acknowledging that this is the first Sunday of Lent. Ash Wednesday was this past Wednesday, and for those in areas where a person could get around, many went and received the imposition of ashes with the words, Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. With that, we began our fasts. Typically, the Lenten fast will be something like chocolate, beverage, alcohol, coffee, some form of luxury item that can be done without. Those of us in Texas and some other parts of the country have spent the first week of Lent in a bit of an imposed fast, you might say. A fast from electricity, heat in sub-freezing weather, water, the ability to get out of the house or apartment. We have been reminded about how luxurious our lives are to have all these things so available that they are assumed and taken for granted. And as a result, we have seen people helping each other. Friends and neighbors sharing what they had with one another. In some cases, for the sake of simple survival. And in others, to try to restore a little bit of comfort. There could easily be the temptation to only concern yourself with yourself, or with yourself and your family, to take and hoard and guard everything you can for your own use. But that is not what we have seen happen. As a whole, we rose to the challenge, faced and resisted those temptations, and worked to restore what was before. In that way, we have a tiny glimpse of what Jesus did when he entered the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Just prior to the verses 12 through 15 of the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, which we read just a few moments ago, there was a description of Jesus' baptism. Our sequence of events is Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and the voice of God the Father calls out from heaven with the words, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Then our passage for today picks up. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness, adding that Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, Jesus was surrounded by wild animals, and Satan was tempting Jesus through that 40 days. First, for anyone who may not already know, the Lenten fast lasts 40 days because that is the amount of time Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Somebody quick with a calendar might think, but Lent lasts 46 days. And that is because the Sundays in Lent, like every Sunday, is a celebration of the resurrection and cannot be a fast day. The result is that the fast is officially suspended on Sundays so a 46-day period of time is inclusive of a 40-day fast. 
And whether you choose to maintain your fast on Sundays is a personal choice. Some people do and some people do not. And the point that we need to focus on is that Jesus was tempted for 40 days. Now, why 40 days? The number 40 seems to be the number of completion when entering something negative. The flood that covered the earth was caused by a rain of 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites fleeing Egypt spent 40 days without their leader Moses, who was on Mount Sinai interacting with God. And in the absence of Moses, the Israelites set up a pagan altar and made the golden calf to be the subject of their worship. They failed to resist temptation. Elsewhere, the Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years so that they could be humbled and learn to trust the Lord. Whether it is a smaller lesson or a major lesson to learn, 40, whether days or years, seems to be the biblical number of completion when something negative is happening. And here, in our passage, Jesus faces 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Now we are in the Gospel of Mark, and Mark is a rather bare-bones writer. He is, in the words of the old Dragnet show, a just-the-facts kind of writer. We do not have the various details about the temptations that the other gospel writers include. Things like turning stones into bread, gaining the riches of the world, and so on. We have nothing but Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus was surrounded by wild animals. And Satan was tempting him for those 30, 40 days. With only the bare bones, how are we to read the text? Let me share with you a way of reading the New Testament, specifically when reading about Jesus, that is important and reveals how there is no detail recorded in Scripture by accident. Jesus is frequently referred to as the second Adam. One example is when Paul makes this clear in his epistle to the Romans, where in the fifth chapter he writes that in Adam the world was brought into sin and death, but Jesus reverses that by bringing grace and life into the world. Likewise, Mary is the new Eve, reversing the actions of the first Eve. Eve was disobedient to God. Mary was obedient to God, with multiple other connections suitable for a sermon for another day. Today we see Jesus, the second Adam, and we want to look for what Jesus can be reversing from the life and sin of the first Adam. Adam was created to tend the garden. An untended garden becomes wild and overgrown, a wilderness. As a result of his sin, Adam was driven from the garden, leaving it to be reduced to wilderness. Jesus is driven into the wilderness. And which? That which was wild and untended. We see Jesus entering what Adam left undone. In the garden, Adam was surrounded by every animal, every beast of the field, as the Bible calls them. They lived in harmony. And Moses tells us that Adam was tasked by God to name every animal, every bird, everything that God had created. Adam and the animals lived peaceably together because there were none that were wild until sin entered the world through Adam. And the beasts of the field became wild beasts, wild animals. Jesus, driven into the wilderness, is surrounded by the wild animals, but none attack Jesus. Jesus is able to live among these wild animals as if they were tame, as if they were in the garden. 
Jesus entering the wilderness and being at peace with the wild animals, in this understanding, we get a small vision of the prophecy of Isaiah who said, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And Isaiah further says that the Messiah we know as Jesus will ultimately restore the garden-like state. That the full reversal of Adam's sin will be completed when in the words of Isaiah, we see the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and the little child shall lead them. A cow and bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of cobras, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I will take a quick moment to point out the phrase, the lion will lie down with the lamb, is nowhere in the Bible. When you hear that phrase, it is a misquotation of what we have just read from Isaiah. Returning to the Gospel, we, so far, have Jesus entering where Adam has left, Jesus bringing peace to the animals that Adam disrupted, and now the biggest and clearest connection. Jesus is tempted by Satan, just as Adam was. For 40 days, Jesus was tempted by Satan. And we know from the other Gospel writers that the temptations were centered around the things that Jesus willingly gave up when he left the kingdom of heaven to become man for our sake. Food, recognition, power, control, all things that are totally normal and taken for granted while reigning in heaven, but now all removed or minimized while living on earth in a mortal body. Adam heard Satan's temptation. Do you want to be like God? Do you want his glories? And Adam said, yes, I do. Adam yielded to the temptation and plunged us into sin and death. Jesus heard Satan's temptation. Do you want to be like God again? Do you want all your glories back? Jesus said, no. I am doing the will of the Father. I will take all that I have, even my own life, and give it to those in need so that they may live. And with that, Satan left Jesus. And the lifting of humanity from the death of sin to the life of God had begun. As the New Testament scholar Robert Gulick has said, whereas Adam succumbed to his tempter resulting in hostility within creation and hardship in his own life, Jesus overcame the tempter, restored harmony with creation, lived by God's sustenance as a sign of the new creation, Jesus is the second Adam, the obedient one. In this we see for ourselves, just as Jesus' actions initiated the reversal of the sin of Adam, we in our own lives, we in the words of the Apostle Paul, who are the body of Christ on earth, we continue that effort of reversing Adam in the world. We do this by doing, as Jesus said, in the closing words of our Gospel passage for today, Verse 15, if you wish to find it, Jesus says quite simply, repent and believe the gospel. Amen.